Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Some football talk today. Hoping to have a special guest. Have had some uh, some difficulties on that end connecting. But uh, hopefully we can make something happen as the show goes and uh, have him hop in when he arrives. So we'll see how that goes. But we've got plenty to talk about either way. As the Bearcats continue into the offseason. And uh, how you doing, Dave? I'm fantastic. I mean, see this beautiful new backsplash behind me? Put that in this week. You know? That's just audio. Only I can see it. I know. But you can, with, with your great use of the English language, describe how beautiful it looks to our listeners. So it's It looks delightful. Yeah. You couldn't have installed it in a herringbone pattern? Not with those tiles. No, <laughs> no but uh, do, doing well. The uh, Savage 7 is no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an offensive coordinator is still the offensive coordinator. Uh, we have a defensive coordinator since the last time we spoke yep. on the podcast, I should say. Um, we still need a running back coach. But in the grand scheme of college football, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not bad. We'll we'll go in chronological order. We'll start with uh, the apparent hiring of Mike Tressel as the defensive coordinator. Uh, as I put on the board, my understanding is that he uh, he is he is in Cincinnati and uh, not in an interview capacity. So do with that what you will. Usually takes a little while for the hiring process to become official at UC, but uh, I think it's safe to say that one is uh, properly sourced when it comes to who will be the next defensive <laughs> coordinator Yep, at the University of Cincinnati. Initial thoughts from Dave Simone on Mike Trussell. Not a surprise from where I sit. I think there was, I think it was pretty clear as the whole process kind of, went from the weekend into last week and we really hadn't heard much of anything that Chris Ash was the target. And then obviously he chose to go to Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. And, you know, as you had said, and as we kind of talked about previous, you know, Luke is a comfort and familiarity type of guy. And especially next year, when you're bringing back so many guys, you're you're making a run at it again. Are you, I mean, how green do you want to get? Pardon the pun with the Michigan State, but like how how new do you really think he was going to get with a defensive coordinator hire? It was going to be someone that he had a, some level of connection to. I mean, some maybe more than others, but it's not surprising to me when, you know, when you add on to it that Mike Trussell has been a co-defensive coordinator, been a defensive coordinator on his own. He's called plays. He's had very, very successful defenses at Michigan state year over year. Not this, you know, it's not just like a one-time flash in the pan thing. So the defensive lineman win the buckets award, you know, linebackers is kind of his forte, plenty of, all Big Ten and All-American honors there. I mean, it's 
not going to say like slam dunk or anything. I don't know if that was even like a realistic thing in my mind, but I think it's as close as you get from a just football sense standpoint to just being a really solid hire that should allow them to proceed, you know, on pace to do what they expect to do. How important is it for you that he got those two years running his own defense and kind of got out from under the, the Pat Narduzzi umbrella? Because I know know, everybody loves Narduzzi and gives Narduzzi a lot of credit for uh, being kind of the, the man behind the scenes on the Mark D'Antonio era, both here and at Michigan state. Was it big to see him get those two years running a defense on his own uh, to add that to his resume? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Narduzzi left Michigan State in 2015, so yeah, but he was only co DC in 16 and 17, right? But I don't, I mean, I don't then, know enough about it to know who was actually like right in charge, so to speak. Um, so, but sure, I mean, just again, I mean, are you bringing someone in who's who's done that before? I mean, you can have tons of confidence in someone that's never done it, but you at least then know like, Hey, I know this guy's done it. He's done it against Ohio state against Michigan. They've beaten Ohio state and Michigan while he was, you know, the co-defensive coordinator or the main guy. I mean, it's so, um, you know, he was, he was, I mean, he worked, obviously he worked with um, Mel Tucker at Ohio state. So there was that connection for those two, but he was one of, if not the only assistant that Tucker kept. Yeah. Um, now I don't look at it really as like a demotion that he went from being the DC to the safeties coach. Of course, the coach is going to bring in someone that he wants that he's most familiar with. And they did coach together like in the early 2000s. So it's not like it was any time recently, but he felt good enough about him to keep him. So that has to speak to, to some level of, you know, you don't see that a ton, especially at, you know, a bigger school where money's not really an issue. You usually just see him almost always totally flip the coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, that's generally how those things play out is, is you start from scratch. Uh, and he, he thought enough of Trestle to keep him around um, the, the other question I would have on Trestle, <clears throat> he is a, he's a big 10 guy, which generally means he's a four, three guy. He's a four, four down lineman guy. Uh, especially, I guess the question being, what do you think about, you know, him coming into a, a situation where. We've seen having that extra defensive back on the field and the American is is kind of a big deal. UC has recruited towards that. They have more than enough guys to play whatever number of linemen they want, whatever number of linebackers they want, whatever number of DBs they want. Um, how important is it for you that he's, he is flexible to being multiple uh, as he adjusts to a different conference? Well, I have a hard time believing with how successful UC's been the last 
I guess I'd say year and a half with the three three five that that wasn't discussed and that that like because he's been a four down guy that they're just all of a sudden gonna be four down ninety percent of the time. I can't I can't envision that at all. Um, I think they'll be more four down than they have been because the roster dictates that. Um, does it? I mean, I, that's well, the, the, I mean, you're kind of it dictates like it's six and one half dozen in the other. Right? I mean, the roster dictates you play five to six DBs, but then it also dictates you play four defensive linemen. I mean, the, right? it's an embarrassment of riches in some regard, but it's also a problem because you I mean you're gonna somebody's gonna be unhappy, and somebody, somebody, and some bodies came back for fifth and. I mean, fifth years for sure. There's so quite a few sixth. I mean, DeBlanco, that Brown. They didn't come back to all of a sudden Brooks. not play. Right. So unless they're totally cool with their role as of just, we're going to just rotate the shit out of the defensive line. And yeah, you know, it's a team team deal now. Like you're going to get 20 snaps a game. But you're going to be, it's going to be the freshest 20 snaps of your life. But you're not going to get them. Even if you're in the four down, you're not going to get them. Like, there's just too many guys. There's too unless, many. Unless your name's Mijja. Right. But I think he's on the, I mean, we saw this year he, at times he lost a bunch of weight. And is Mijja better at 40 snaps than 70 snaps? Possibly. Right. I'm just saying, like, is his impact greater? You know, in that type of a situation, I don't know. I could be totally wrong. He could be a machine and give the same effort and production playing every down. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I, we saw it against Georgia. I'm sure we're going to see it a little bit more. But I can't <laughs> imagine that it's going to all of a sudden become like every game we just line up 70% of the time it's four down. Yeah, I mean, I I have to think like you're not playing Memphis and Houston though this year either. So you're playing two, Tulane and Navy, which Tulane is kind of a I don't even know what I I'm definitely not calling their offense spread. It's more like it's more like Coastal Carolina's like shotgun option. They want to run the ball. Yeah. They have a good good freshman quarterback last year, but they want to run the ball. So you are subbing out two of your more air raidy spread offenses for two more running based offenses so we might see it a little bit more then because of that jimmy chad how are we what's going on jim this is dave dave this is jim what's up james good dave, to, how you good, going pretty good, good man. You. are you are you globe trotting right now yeah kind of a little bit of globe trotting uh, i'm actually uh down in orlando now getting some uh pre-trained pre-draft training in uh before i head off to the senior bowl on saturday all right. Well, if you haven't figured it out based on the accent, the accent, we're joined now by James Smith. Dave, we'll get back to that stuff later. Yeah, for sure. No one cares about that anyway. Jim, Jim, what are your thoughts on uh, three down or four down linemen next year? What do you got? Uh, I think with the depth that we've got on the D line room, I think it'd be it'd be very beneficial of us to go to a four down look just to rotate some of those guys through. There you go. He agrees with you, Dave. Well, most most smart people do. <laughs> all right J james jim jimmy what 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 do you prefer now it's, it's evolved over the past four years uh it's always it's always 
Jim, Jimmy or Jimbo. I hardly get called James unless it's by uh, the girlfriend, actually. So she's the only one that calls me James. It's usually when I've done something wrong. All right. Well, we're probably not going to talk a whole lot of football, uh, at least here for the beginning. Cause... I've got a couple, but not, I'm not getting any anything in depth, that's for sure. Let, let, let's get started with how in the world did, did the Pro Kick Australia thing come about? Um, I know you played Australian rules football, right? Um, yep. When when did this American football thing kind of start becoming like, hey, this might be something I could could take a look at? Uh, so I'd sort of known a little bit about college football or college sports and what they were about, but I remember uh, it was actually I think it was 2015 or 16. I think it might have been uh, 15 after Tom Hackett actually won the uh, Ray Guy Award, who was a punter from Australia who played for Utah. And he actually had a really like hilarious interview after he won. He's basically said, look, I wasn't athletic enough to play Australian rules football. I'm too fat sort of thing, but I can, I've always had a good leg and essentially I'm kicking a pigskin, which is bacon. So I'm kicking bacon down a field for people's entertainment. And it's, uh, I, I thought it was hilarious. So I looked a little bit more into it and I found out, that he was from Pro Kick Australia. And uh, if I want to get in contact with him, these are the people I talked to. And I was enjoying like Australian rules football at the time, of course, but uh, I'm always open to trying and doing new things. So I sort of sent in my measurements and had a bit of an assessment with Pro Kick. And then it was sort of, that's how it went from there. And then the rest of it's pretty much history. I joined on after visiting the States and seeing what it was all about and uh, ended up at Cincinnati. How tough was that decision to leave everything in Australia behind? I can't imagine that as spur of the moment eh, i think i you know hell with it i think i'm gonna go fly halfway across the world and spend the next four years five years however long yeah mum and dad were probably a little bit skeptical at the start like because this is sort of a very uncommon dream or an unheard of thing back home like no one goes over unless you play basketball uh to play to do college sports in america so it was like oh are these guys having a bit of a lend of you or filling your filling your head with a bit of nonsense sort of thing but <laughs> Uh, as I got, as it got closer and like, I got offered by Cincinnati, like they were all on board, which probably made the transition a lot more easy. So I've always been pretty close with mum and dad and my large family, of course. So, uh, it's, uh, it was always good to have them in my corner and then that made the transition so much easier. And plus before 2020, of course, they, uh, were able to get over each year and see the first three games of the season and had a ball doing it. So it was good that I could share like my love for football with, uh, mum and dad who really knew nothing about it your visit was the spring game right it was uh april of 2017 yeah all of a sudden out of nowhere we're, we're running around ramping up uh coverage for uh, the 2018 class and then mace brian mason just kind of sneaks in oh by the way there's a six foot five punter from australia here that we think is is going to commit what what did you think of cincinnati upon your first uh trip to the city I Not even it. maybe as a college, just in general. Just as like in general, loved it. So the Midwest is very similar to what uh, like rural Australia is like typically. So really friendly, homey sort of people, family orientated, uh, sort of give you the shirt off their back to help you out sort of thing. And that was one of the things that stuck out to me. It reminded me so much of what I was used to back home. So that made the transition even more easier and I remember mum and dad like vividly saying like on my official, like, yeah, this, you're going to have so much fun here. This is definitely the place for you. And we're more than happy to send you here. 
Dave, take it away. Did you, did you, when you were here for visits, did you go to a bunch of other schools? Like, did you recruiting wise, was it UC versus somebody else? Or this was kind of, this was it. So what our coaches do, it's more of a, uh, it's a right fit mentality. So our coaches are approached usually by, or reach out to special teams coordinators who they believe are in need of someone with our services. And lucky enough, uh, Coach Fick and Coach Mace had another Australian when they were at O State in Cam Johnson, who's now in the league and doing wonderful things. So they sort of decided that when they came, well, look, we'd like to get another one of those Australians from that program. And that's sort of where I fitted in. And uh, so my name was brought forward a lot of film was sent, a lot of uh, video chats back and forth. And then uh, one faithful morning when I thought I was just having a chat with Coach Mason, uh, Coach Fick got on and offered me. And then that was it. I committed on the spot. Didn't need didn't need to sit and talk to or see anybody else. I was going to Cincinnati. <laughs> so, you, so you get here. What was – once you, you, know, you came on the visit and took some things in, but like once you were – in Cincinnati for a little while and like who was your first roommate what were the things that you were like what the heck are they do these people eat what are they saying like the first the first few things where you were like this is not anything like what I'm used to yeah yeah so the majority of my like uh first first like portion in Cincinnati I lived with uh Cole Smith so we've been uh pretty tight pretty tight ever since. And then Andrew Gantz uh, was in there at the start, of course, and then he moved on and then Cole moved in that January. So mainly Cole and like, uh, and then just, and everyone that came in in my class really. So like Dez, Derek, Kobe, uh, Mike Warren, uh, who else came in in that class? Uh, Will Huber, like all those boys, like we've all been like, our uh, class is actually pretty tight. So we've all been, in each other's ear or in each other's back pockets for a fair few years now. So uh, it was good to be around those guys. And it's uh, good to have those sort of brotherly connections when you're so far away from home. It just made the made the life here so much easier and enjoyable. What else you got, Dave? Anything? Are you good for now? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, that first year not fun right <laughs> did was it was there any point during that year that you're like look I like all these guys and this is cool but this is this is brutal right now you punted a lot I did I did I punted a lot <laughs> and uh but like I understand yeah it, it sucked like four and eight's never a good way to be like no one wants to be four and eight that's that's but to do it with a new coaching staff and a new system and with sort of what was happening in the background, like the, we could all tell that the cogs were turning and something special was about to happen. So, and it was just the, it was just the right sort of thing to like thrust us into that next year. So we all came off a win on senior day in 2017 against UConn by a missed PAT or a missed whatever it was from UConn's kicker. And like, we were pretty up and about and that sort of just springboarded us into those winter workouts and the mat drills and all that sort of stuff, which just brought us all together as a team and everyone really bought in. And from then on, there's been no looking back. Take me through the Rose bowl. You're not a, you're not an American, obviously. Did that, did you know the significance of like walking into that place and what it means to college football and how cool was it to get to play a game there and see the sunset and all the things that they talk about, you know, Rose bowl lore. 
So I knew its significance in terms of what it has in college football and its historical aspects, but just the place itself, like I've been lucky since I've been at UC, like we've played in some great stadiums, like uh, the shoe, the big house. And then we just got to play in the um, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. But like that stadium is one of the most nice playing surfaces I've played on in my life. And I've been lucky enough to be on a few of them uh, in Australia and in America. And it was just a, a very unreal experience. It would have been really nice if their semesters sort of married up a bit with ours and we would have had a big, like, loud rockin' stadium. It was a little yeah. bit empty. But other than that, like, it was an unreal experience. Like, that stadium is just picturesque and pristine. And you can tell the, the superintendents and the groundskeepers there do an unreal job. Take me through your relationship with Coach Mace. Because on the exterior... He, he likes to he likes to be kind of gruff like he you know but once you get once you get underneath that layer he's got a pretty good sense of humor and he can he can he can rib and needle you with the best of them yeah he can so I think it's pretty much as you said pretty pretty hard exterior hard to get hard to get a a, a real feel very dry sort of man bland personality as some would say <laughs> you but think you think you think you think that that's that's just what he comes off as but realistically like i i owe him a lot because he was uh essential in the recruiting of me and then sort of that first season as he was doing more like the quality control with the specialists and stuff like that was very hands-on with the specialists like including myself and uh, everybody else that was there at the time and it just made it easy and then I knew what to expect and I knew what was expected of me for the next three years and we've sort of been a little bit more self-sufficient since then but at the end of the day like he's uh, always there to support us in what we're trying to do and try help us achieve our goals whether that's in the college system or what we want to do after college very uh yeah, he's just very helpful in all those aspects you know enough of me to know that I'm goofy and kind of outgoing and I met Mace the first couple times and I was like, we are not going to get along, me and this guy. <laughs> and then the more and more we got to know each other and he, he, he loosened up a little bit, we've, we've become close since then. But that first impression of him that he gives off, it's like, this is, this is going to be difficult. You're, you're outgoing like that too. You had to kind of have the same read a little bit at first. Uh, probably not the same as everybody else because it might have been a lot, little bit different because he was probably like uh, trying to get you to come to America. Exactly. <laughs> in the recruitment process and things like that. But he's always had the sort of the dry sense of humor and slightly bland personality at times. But once you get past all that, he's the same as everybody else loves, loves to give it as good as he can take it. So I think it's, it's a little bit of a front at times, the gruff, yes, the gruff, the gruff, but <laughs> Once you get in, it's it's the same as everybody else. How many deg degrees? He has like nine degrees, doesn't he? Some some absurd amount. I don't know the exact number, but it's between nine and eleven. I can't remember what number it is. <laughs> I have two, and I think that's like a lot too many. <laughs> Man had a lot of spare time on his hands. I take it. Well, he was a GA like three different places. So every time he was a GA somewhere, he just popped in two, three more degrees. Oh, yeah, just tack on another degree. If only it was that easy. <laughs> Dave. East Carolina, fake punt. Hadn't gotten one all year. DeBlanco takes it. Are you happy? Are you mad? Are he you was like, mad. I, are you like, I've been here this long? They know I'm athletic, especially for a damn punter. And this guy is going to steal my fake punt chance? 
to be to be quite honest, Joel and I didn't speak for a week. We were not we were not happy after that. I, I no, spoke to I, I yelled happy. at you. I yelled at you, and you were not happy. I was filthy, filthy. You can't <laughs> you can't have a the package installed for three years, and the one week where it's not an option, Joel calls it from the huddle. In at, in at the line of scrimmage, makes the check, and I knew it was coming. I'm like, oh, he's done it. And then he and he gets it and runs for bloody 35 yards. I was ropeable. So then take us to the Peach Bowl and that and that call. Was that a you call? Was that a sideline call? Just kind of get us into the play there. Uh, so that was a sideline call. And the, it was actually meant to be a pass. Uh, it was meant to be a sort of a flat route to Bruno, but Joel sort of blocked his man into Bruno's path and he ended up going upfield and we probably would have got ended up with a illegal man downfield because Kaysen sort of peeled off to seal the edge and block anyone that was trying to come over the top. So that all happened in a split second. And I just made a decision. Look, I'm going to tuck it. Bruno's going to block someone and we'll be fine. He's going to pray to God he blocks somebody. But hey, it, it works. Pray so that you, he blocks the right person. I don't, and I don't so get you, clapped. You got your, you got your fake punt in the in the last game. So yeah. you know, you don't have you, to hold the grudge uh, against, against Joel for the rest of his life. No, I don't. But it just shows like we ran two in one year, both successful. Why weren't we? Why didn't we? Why weren't we doing off? this all the time? I mean, hey, you're talking. I mean, this is bad that we're like. You're talking to a guy that's like uber aggressive that wouldn't even punt. But if you're going to have you as the punter, you may as well do it more than once. Well, I think I think we shed some light on that after the last after the last few games and I think I think there's going to be some some coaches like, well, we probably should have ran that a few more times. So <laughs> is the, is that something that your 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 replacement will be able to handle? He can't get hit yet. Athletic as me. He can't get hit yet. He'll break if somebody hits him right now. Uh, he'll fold like a lawn chair. <laughs> I, who's more? Who was more mad about the Joel fake? You or Brian Wright, who practiced that fake probably a hundred times, never got to run it. That was the first thing I thought of when I saw that, and then I saw you sitting on the the bench, and you were like, you could see the steam coming off of your head. Who was more mad? You or B Wright? Uh, B. Wright was probably it would have been a little bit would have been a little bit salty about it too. So he was front side shield for a while, and we repped it a lot. And then Josiah and I repped it a lot, so he never got to run it either. And then Joel ends up getting it. It, it didn't actually become a thing with Joel until probably this year. It was always sort of the front side shield sort of yeah. stuff. And then we decided that all right, if Joel's going to play middle, we're going to snap snap it to middle, and he's going to have to learn to option, but. He didn't have to option. He just tucked it and ran. So I think there's a few people that uh, are writing some. Joel needs to write some IOUs to a few people. <laughs> so like, you know, quarterbacks have like their favorite touchdown, or running backs have like, oh, this was the best running back run touchdown run I've had. Do you have like this is the best ball I ever hit? Like, do you, is there like a a punt that sticks out that you're like, man, I this was per- perfect. I hit it exactly how I wanted to. It did exactly what I wanted. There's probably a few games more so like because you're only as good as your last punt sort of thing. So like if I have a good punt, I've got to back it up with another good one. So 
there was some pretty complete games that I had the overtime loss to Temple in 2018. I think I had uh, one of my longest punts and then a really big average that day. But unfortunately, we didn't get the job done. So that game sticks out. But then the win at home against UCF, I think I had seven or eight punts, five inside the 20, four inside the 10. So that was a pretty big day. Do you personally blame, I think it's what, two touchbacks on your gunners? Or, is, or do you take the blame for that? I have three touchbacks on three? my career. Uh, I don't, oh, no, I'm not taking any blame. That, that's all gunner fault. <laughs> well, they got to they gotta get down the field and make the play, right? I mean, two, find two of them. Get off the down. block. Two of, find them the were def, two of them were definitely downable. Two, one was fumbled into the end zone and two were definitely downable. So I don't know. I, I don't like to point the finger at anybody, but. <laughs> but they know who they, they are. are. They know who they are. Well, when you only so have much. three, it's not hard to remember each one. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like hole in ones. If you, if you've had them, you remember them. Well, I didn't have any freshman year and then I've had one every year since. How mad are you when you walk to the sidelines and, and one went into the end zone? Mm, the helmet doesn't come off usually because I'm screaming a few choice words and I don't want the camera to pan to me. <laughs> grab, grab the face mask so the hands are in front of the mouth so they can't see what you're saying. Oh, yeah, and just let loose. Yeah. I got more if you want me to. Go ahead. Go ahead. So you're, you're going to Mobile, Senior Bowl, pretty exciting stuff. What – have I don't know if it's agent scouts whoever what have they talked to you about punting down there I'm assuming you're going to be having to kick the more traditional NFL style of kicking is that you know have you been working on that is that something you worked on while at UC you just didn't really use in games like where are we in in that regard uh, it's something I've had the whole time I've sort of been here uh practice it every week uh and it's just sort of never it's always been in the game plan it just never sort of fits in with the game plan at the end of the day what uh coach Vic and coach mace want to do in terms of uh the punt scheme moving forward each week and we know that with the slight roll or the end over ends out of the pocket that we can cover it nearly every time with minimal return yards so it just sort of never fitted in but i made sure over my time at uh, UC that I was practicing and still oiling up the pro style punts because the end goal was still always to play in the NFL. So that's what I've been doing. And I'm sure there'll be a, a variety of things that I'm asked to do in mobile. I guess that brings up something that I've kind of always wondered is you don't see a ton of punt return yardage in the college game because so many teams have kind of gone to what you have done, but you, don't see that at all in the NFL. Is there something about the two games, maybe the formations, the hashes, that the NFL teams aren't using that versus college? Oh, it's definitely the free release. So NFL, only your gunners can free release on the ball, snap of the ball. Everyone else has, has to wait till the ball's punted. So uh, in the college game, if you've got a guy that plays uh, flexed out, flexed out on your non-foot side and flexed out on your right foot side, essentially you've got another gunner. And if teams want to play hold up against you, they just got to beat them and you can potentially have four people to the returner before the ball's even there, which is the ideal situation to forcing fair catches. And that's definitely why we did a lot of what we did at uh, UC. But uh, 
yeah, the NFL system is, is you've got to get the ball off quick. You've got to be good at protecting and then you've got to be good at covering. Whereas the emphasis at UC is always protect first, cover later, but it makes it easier when you can have guys free release, unlike they can in the league. Who is the best gunner at UC while you were there? Ooh. That's Good a one. tough and one. Don't, don't, I've, be, I've, don't be diplomatic. No, I've had some really, really good ones. Like my freshman year, I had Mike Boone was unreal. Like I just torched everybody at Gunner. And then since then, I've had like Alec Pierce. I had Tyrell Gilbert. Uh, I had Khalil Lewis. And then this year, I had Trey Tucker and Harris. Justin Harris. Like I, I've had some really good Gunners. Like I've been, probably been pretty blessed to have a lot of really good ones, but. The one I really think of is like Mike Boone. Mike Boone used to absolutely rock people on punt because corners would try to lock him up on the line and he'd just stiff arm people and then get straight to the ball. Yeah, you don't see a lot of yoked dudes that can get off a block like that but still carry 4-3 speed down. He used to punish corners on punt. Pierce was another one. He was so good on punt that, that they tried to move him to defense. Yep. There you go. See, well, just specialist just breeds athletes. <laughs> That's surprised exactly, Freeman. Exactly what su- I was thinking. Surprised Freeman never tried to get you over there, play some defense. The end. Oh, there's, there's, there's been rumors. There's we been never rumors would have heard right of Myjay Sanders, right? Oh, I don't know about that. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there was always rumors. I've done a few where I've said to Coach Denbrock, look. Can we get me in for a red zone package? I've got great hands. I could do some stuff. It's always in the works. We've always talked about maybe shifting me to outside linebacker as a joke, but I've heard that maybe coaches have actually asked about that one time and it got shot down. So we'll leave it as a shoulda, coulda, woulda. I want to ask you about kind of a, a guy that I don't know that anybody talked about this year, but he deserved to get some mention, Case and Pfeiffer a true freshman, long snapper, and he was so good that we don't know his name. Isn't that, like that like the, the, the biggest, like, badge of honor? Like, I'm so good at my job, no one talks about me? For a long snapper, to yeah. Be, yeah, well, so as a, as a redshirt freshman, sort of, I've had, I've had really good snappers my whole career. I had John Vincent, then I had uh, Zach Wood, and then I had Kaysen, of course. So, like, I've been very lucky that we've never had a blocked punt. We've had very few errors, if any, on the field. It was some big shoes to fill, of course. And uh, he came in and he filled the job tremendously. He put on weight, got really athletic, made two tackles in the bowl game. I was never was never worried about where the ball was coming or where it was going. So he did an uh, unbelievable job for me all season this year. And Hats off to him and the every bit of credit that comes his way, he thoroughly deserves. So I, I saw a report tonight that in order to help improve his draft prospects, that Ethan Tucky is working out at long snapper, trying to learn to long snap. Has he ever, have you ever gotten a snap from Ethan? Can you no, never a pre scouting report on that. I don't know. Mind you, he's incredibly athletic and runs probably a four, six laser which I've seen in person, he would be a lethal long snapper at 250. And if he could rock the ball back, but it's something that you're probably going to have to do a little bit more than trying to learn in a couple of weeks. It's uh, 
it's not a I can learn overnight sort of thing. So you were also the holder. How hard was that to get down? Because, you know, Australian rules football, punting, kicking, somewhat similar disciplines. But you had never probably done holding before on PATs and and field goals. What was that experience like? Is that a lot harder, easier than you thought it would be? Um, so at the start, I was lucky because I didn't have to hold my first year, which was good. So they had Carter Jacobs hold, who had held before. So I had a lot of time to rep with uh, other kickers on the team. So I started off holding left hand for Josh Pasley, and then I held right hand for Ryan Jones. Like every day, I'd get hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of reps because it was something that I wanted to be really good at because I knew how crucial it was in terms of a game sense. So when the time came that I took over the reins as the holder, when Carter moved on and uh, we had other kickers come through, that it was it was second nature. And it's actually, it's it's only as hard as you make it. So if you don't put the time and effort into being good at it, you're not going to be good at it. So I made sure that I have always like been good at it. Like if I thought I was lacking in some way, I'd get Case and or whoever was snapping at the time to get extra reps at practice or get extra live kicks with Cole and everybody else who's been who's been a kicker at UC since I've been there. So, uh, yeah, it's something that you've got to pay real attention to because uh, it has great sway on the operation when you're actually going out there to kick PATs or field goals. How Any, many, uh, how uh, many re- kicks did you not have the laces out when, when you held? And you, were praying know, to God, and you were praying to God that they didn't, it didn't matter. I'm pretty good at turning the ball, to be honest. So I don't think I've had any, maybe one. And it would only ever be a PAT. Never, What's harder, never holding goal. from the left or the right? Left. Have you gotten any indication of how important it is to your pro resume that you've got three years as a holder? Also, uh, It's virtually, uh, it's a staple. So if you're a punter that's coming out that hasn't hold and you can't kick off, you only really serve one value, which is punting the football. It's all about maximizing your value in right. the NFL, as everybody knows. You've got to be able to do multiple jobs and have multiple things that you can do. So to be a holder for three years is definitely a good, a good box to be able to check. Ball is in the air against Tulsa. What's going through your mind with the I knew it was, the good, as, I knew it was good as soon as he kicked it. I didn't even need to look at it. Can that, you that tell simple? when you're – like by the sound or just like usually it's usually a feel it's usually a feel thing like i can feel how like how the ball's on top hit. Of the ball of course. yeah and i knew he struck it sweet i knew it got up and then it just split the upright straight through the middle and i turned and it was it was all over from there how sweet was that after four years of chasing that goal specifically because i know that's something winning the aac was something that fick and, and the staff has talked about a ton how sweet was that to see that finally come to fruition in such a tough year? It was, it was unbelievable. So like uh, after sort of the heartbreak of the year before and the absolute grind of 2020, like I don't think everybody realizes sort of like what, what has gone on for football to be able to play in 2020. Like it's been a, it was a slog in, no, in all honesty, like sitting around at camp talking about if we really want to have a season or not and things like that. That's nothing that I ever would have envisioned my senior year going like. So, and hats off to everybody at UC and all the medical staff and the coaches and the players to 
band together and say, no, nah, we're having a run at this. We've got unfinished business. This is what we want to do. And to go out and do it, it was just, it was unreal. And to win it on a, uh, on a field goal, to win in shitty rainy conditions, uh, holding for arguably one of my best friends that I'm ever going to have, uh, it was uh, it's, it's an unreal feeling. Unreal. I, I, it's actually indescribable. Like I was, admittedly, I was in tears at the end of the game. You you brought it up. So how hard was this year from a player standpoint? The the, the isolation, the, the 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 things that were asked of you, be above and beyond, probably anything you ever thought you would have to go through. The outbreak when what there was like four guys that didn't catch it at some point in time during those two weeks. I mean, what was this whole thing like, and and how did you get through it? It wasn't so much the physical aspect. So everything there was the same. Like when the ball goes down and we're out of practice, we practice and we practice as hard as anybody else, if not harder than anybody else in the country. And same thing goes in the weight room. It was the the mental strain of not being able to unwind. Like you would uh, come home from a game or come back to the locker room from a game and there'd be no like relax. Like you couldn't like relax, go out, have a, have dinner with the boys or do anything like that because we were in such a bubble that we knew what was at stake. So that was probably the hardest thing because you couldn't, there was no wind down and it was, we're all strung so tight by the end of the year that like, I think there were a few blokes hanging on by a thread sort of thing. Like it was, it's just, a, it was just a mental slog. Yeah. Take me through those, those couple weeks where the outbreak happened and it seemed like it hit pretty much every corner of the team uh, except Des. That was the one thing. Des, they were trying to do everything they could to make sure that he stayed away from it. But it had to be terrifying to have it. I mean, to have so many guys uh, have to deal with it all at the same time. It was wild. So, like, I don't understand, like, and the thing with the virus, I'm not an expert or anything like that. So I'm not going to claim that I know anything that nobody else does. But for a team to go down with no cases to Florida, everyone tests negative on Friday. We come back. Then only a couple of people get it. And then a few days later, a few more people get it. And then by the, that weekend coming, you've got 65 or 70% of the team that's got it. You're like, shit, all right, well, there's something going on here. So it was just, a, it was mentally taxing. And Aaron and all the medical staff, Dr. Bob and Dr. Devine did a mountain of work over those next few weeks to get everyone right to go and the quarantining and then the acclimation process and like getting back to where we needed to be to play for a championship. Like it's uh, a lot of work went on behind the scenes there. And those guys definitely need their praise and their number sort of read out because what they did was beyond, beyond human to get everybody back and ready to go. Was there a fear that you guys might not be ready that it might've been Uh, too much? Not from me personally, but there was always sort of that fear in the back of the mind. Like we saw what happened with a few like of the guys that came back. And if you try to dial it up too quick, too early, you do, you're prone to doing other like smaller injuries and things like that. But they sort of made sure they were going to manage everybody when we came back in with our like sort of like all the tests that we needed to do, the blood drawing, the heart rate monitoring, it was all done to the highest level of sophistication and how it needed to go to make sure that everybody was right. So I knew once we were all back and the majority of the team was back, we were going to go through and I I had no doubts about we were ready to win a championship. What was the Peach Bowl experience like? And obviously it it didn't end and we don't have to 
really get into the heartbreak of it all. But but what was that whole experience like being on that stage and putting on the show that you guys put on to show that that Cincinnati belongs? Let's, let's be frank, kicking their ass for three plus quarters. It was unreal. Uh, so the whole experience. So I've been lucky that we've played in a couple of bowl games. The experience was definitely different this year because of the COVID-19 and all that sort of stuff. We sort of arrived a day and a half early. We didn't really do a lot of the team stuff that we do, which is sort of like the fun. That's like the reward part of earning that right to go to a bowl game. Like you do the fun dinner stuff, you do a few team activities and you really just get to wind down. There was no wind down. We got there, we practiced, we had dinner together and we were ready to play. So that's what it was like. And uh, you can put on the film and show anyone in the country and I don't think you can tell no one to be able to say that we didn't deserve to be there or we don't deserve to be in the conversation with the big boys because we took it to them for the majority of the game and unfortunately just didn't come home with the bickies at the end. This is what you want to do like after football, right? Uh, outside of... Uh, okay, I got one other question before I get into to that part of it. Do you like cherries? Like, love them. Is, love them. Okay. Love them. Okay. I didn't know if there was a point where you've like been around cherries your whole life where you're like, the I, company line. I can't do cherries anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Dude, how much do you miss want, them? A lot. I actually don't eat them over here because they're not as good. So, <laughs> it's not like you can get a, a, a care package sent to you, you know, just from couple hours yeah, away. Can you? I, 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 no, I don't think you're actually allowed to do that. Uh, sending fruit. Overseas <laughs> yeah, is actually a quite a, a quite a rigorous process with a lot of <laughs> you have to jump through from quarantine perspectives and things like that. So I actually haven't had a cherry since full 2016, probably before I left, or 2017 oh, wow. before I left. Oh my yeah, God. I haven't had them for a while. Now you might now, yeah, you love them now. Haven't had them in yeah, four well, years. Yeah, exactly. So the the easiest, the best thing I found is the the cherry Bundy pure cherry juices that we get from football as a recovery. That's sort of that's as close as I've come to cherries since I've been here. So, okay. Obviously the NFL is the dream and, and you're, you're well on that path. Uh, you've dabbled in the broadcasting world. How much is, how much real interest is there to, to try to get into that world? Maybe after the playing days stop. hundred, hundred percent. That's, that's exactly what I want to do. And where I see it going, everyone seems to think that I've got a, I don't know. The term is typically I've got a voice for radio. I've got a head for radio, but a voice for TV. So we'll see what happens with the broadcasting. So yeah, but that's, I love it. Knowing punters, that's like 25 years from now. Exactly. So (laughs) after my 15 or so years at the helm of an NFL franchise, I'll, I'll hang up the cleats and uh, join a panel somewhere. I mean, the the last UC punter that's, that's still kicking is, is still in Cincinnati and I would say I would love the Bengals to draft Jim, but like Huber still probably has like five, seven more years left. He probably does. He's and he's only getting better with age. He's like a fine wine. He just keeps kicking, <laughs> kicking on and kicking on. Do you, with the draft and, and all of that, did you consider coming out after last season and then like coming back? I know punters don't, I mean, I'm sure they get the same type of draft grades, but it's much more specific because obviously with how many teams hold on to their punters for so long, if they have a good one, do you have kind of an idea of range in April teams that might be interested? How does that work from a punter standpoint versus like a quarterback or running back? Um, it's, it's very much the same. So like 
uh, agents and stuff will liaison with uh, franchises and people or they will reach out to and they'll ask about you guys and say, look, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we need. This is where we see him going or something like that. And that's how you gauge sort of people's interest. So the interest is definitely there. There's a, with what's happened this year in the league and like uh, some guys probably not having the years that they are typically have had and then other guys being old or, the money side of things, like there's uh, definitely scope to find a fair few teams in the need for a punter this year. So I haven't got too much into the details of where or when, but I'm just looking for an opportunity and I'll take one from anybody. Did you consider coming out after last year? I did. I did. So uh, there was a conversation that was had uh, with my family and everyone back home and uh, the coaches here and was I was just talking about it and seeing like gauging what was happening because there was scope of course to come out last year but at the end of the day I sort of made the definitely the right choice because there were a couple of other punters that sort of declared it early and it didn't go very well for them but somehow one of them ended up going back to college don't ask me how that happened after going <laughs> to the combine so you would I was, you'd have been all over that if you knew that was a choice Oh, well, I don't think it is a choice. And I think that it was, <laughs> there's something that went on there for someone to get two years of eligibility back after going to the combine. So don't ask me how that happens. I'll have to take that up with the higher boards of the NCAA. Was there ever any thought to coming back next year or was it time? The, the thought, the thought crossed my mind. Uh, I'd be lying if I said it didn't like, but uh, it was definitely time. There's another, another Aussie guy waiting in the wing who I think is going to, take the reins and run with them and do just as good a job as I've done. And um, I've had four consistent years and it was just time for me to, and I've graduated a course, got my degree in hand. And then, uh, yeah, it was time for me to spread on and try to chase the dream of playing in the NFL. Give, give us the scouting a- report on Mason Fletcher. Six foot seven, built like a rake, hits a good ball. <laughs> like a rake. Oh my God. I mean, that he's is, skinny. That is skinny. a description that even as a Husky person, I would never want to be said that I was <laughs> like a rake. Oh, I don't know. If you went into Ace Hardware, that's where you'd find him filed under the rakes. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, don't know. I mean, I have other things that I would be interested in asking, but I don't know how we, like, go on from that. <laughs> what do you want to know? Um... <laughs> I, I just some stupid stuff like skyline chili, yes or no? Big yes, big yes. You know, what's, you're what's, your, what's your order? Six conies with everything. <laughs> I love it. Six conies so, with everything. So Dave is Dave is. I don't want the spaghetti, but I love the conies. I'm Are Italian. You, I'm, I'm Italian. I can't get over the shredded cheddar cheese on spaghetti. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. I've had a three-way a few times or a four-way or whatever. It's not my favorite. And I think that the, the Coney's are A, A plus, A plus. If I go there, I never get the three-way. It's always the, the six Coney's with everything for me. So what are, like, what other things about Cincinnati just in general, whether it's school, the city, are you going to miss when you're kicking for the Cowboys or whoever? Uh, Skyline. Definitely skyline, uh, graders, hundred percent graders. Ooh, that's going to be hard to. That's going to be hard to let go. What's there your was, go-to uh, ice cream? There was a, 
I am a big fan of their cookies and cream. Their yes. Boldy Bearcat is actually really good too. Which do you like, like better, the better, the old one or the new one? The old one, the red velvet one. I agree. The red velvet one. So the good thing though spam. is depending, depending on who you get drafted by, you can get graders in Kroger in other cities around the country. There you go. So I've got to stay northeast. I've got to stay no, northeast. Then. Falcons, you get it. Down in Florida, you can get it. All right. Well, that's good. That's what I want to hear. So I think it was a span of about a week, no I reckon. In Florida, but definitely about Atlanta. a week. When Cole and I went to Graders, I think in the span of three weeks, I think we went there about 10 times. <laughs> it was bad. The life, no, it was of, the bad. life of specialists. Six oh, no, Tonys and Graders 10 times in three weeks. It was bad. Like we were going there, like driving there at 8.30 at night to get a milkshake or an ice cream every two days. Did Brady know about this? Oh, yeah. I got to 2.40. He was happy as Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the life of a specialist. What did you have for dinner? Oh, I had six conies and a milkshake while these guys are eating grilled chicken and nasty broccoli. And broccoli. Yeah, well, my body is a temple and I treat it how I treat it. <laughs> you had anything else, Dave? I don't think so. This has been great. James. Much appreciated, man. I, I, no, no I, problems. Thank you very much for having me. This was uh, this was Ho- every bit as good. Catch up, catch up sometime next year and see how how life is going. Uh, you know, in, in the big in the big time. Hundred percent. I'd be more than happy to. Whenever you're ready to start a podcast, we'll we'll I'll host it. You can you can run it in the BearcatJournal.com network, and uh, we will get you rolling with anything you need, podcast wise. There you go. Connections. Hey. Has McAfee invited you on his show yet? No, I, I need one. I'm, I'm, if anyone can get me on Pat Mac's show, I'd, I'd love to be on. I'll see what I can do. I know some people. <laughs> we're trying see what to get I can it. Do. We're, we want him on here too, since he likes UC so much. He does. Ever since that day out on higher ground, when he got this cut off and he came and gave us his words of wisdom, he's he been, talk, he's he been all over the. He talked you guys up all year too. Like he was all in all, all this season. That's what I need. Uh, I'd love to get on his podcast. That'd be unreal. Uh, still watch it weekly. To he's just a he's an absolute character. I love what he does for specialists in sort of bringing light to a an unsung position on the football field. And then he just he just hosts some absolute great guests that give some great insight into the, like professional sport and other things alike. So it's just a, it's just an unreal podcast. And, and like I talked about with you in the Peach Bowl press conference. That guy was unbelievable with you guys when he was there that day. I mean, 100%. he spent 90, 90 minutes, almost two hours with you guys, holding court. Talk, I mean, I saw him talking to uh, uh, John about different kickoff, uh, onside kick strategies and where to kick the ball and how to get it to do this and how to get it to do that. To do that. And uh, he was just awesome. The way that he, yeah, he handled you it guys. Was a, it was an unreal experience to have someone who is an NFL pro bowl punter to come and talk to you about what you want to do and your bread and butter. It was just like, it was unbelievable. And I, I made sure that I asked him as many questions as I possibly could think of in hopes of uh, trying to further myself as a punter to get to the level that he was at when he was at Indiana. You probably got, what, 30, 40 minutes with him one-on-one? Oh, and then- at least, at least. And then, and then you had to get to practice, and you could see on your face, you were like, I'm in the middle of something here. Like, can you guys hold off? 
yeah, I, I had to run back to practice because unfortunately that came first. But coaches were really good with letting uh, sort of the specialists get their time with with Pat McAfee because it was a, a pretty a once in a lifetime sort of thing to be able to do that. So it was unreal. Did he did he tell you a game against UC was the worst night of his life? He did. He did. He did say that actually. Something along those lines, anyway. I was, like, at, I was at that game. All the crowd had started to leave because they thought that it was all over, and then they came back, and then he he, he missed missed a field goal. Well, he banged a monster one to send it into overtime. He did, and then he he missed the one to win it. He said that was supposed to be the greatest night of his life, and he blew it. <laughs> Something along those lines, but the worst night uh, of his life involves a canal. I don't think that's the worst night of his life. Those shirts that he makes with his mugshot on him are probably earning him a good buck. So, <laughs> yeah, <it's> true. <laughs> All right, man. We will let you go. We kept you way longer than expected, but you were awesome. And uh, we will get you back on soon. You've got me on Twitter. If you, uh, like I said, when you're ready to start a podcast, you let me know and we'll get it going. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, James Smith, All American All American Conference. And uh, boy. I don't know that we're going to, like, do, do we keep going? I don't like, really think so. I mean, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> we what still got, we got, we have plenty we could talk about. Yeah, but, but that no, one was, gives, no one gives a shit at this point. <laughs> that was like, amazing. Mike Denbrock staying, we don't know who the running back coach is yet. Like, we could talk about that next week. Like, that was a, almost an hour of, like, just really good football stuff, not football stuff. Like, he called another man and built, like, a rake. Like, I still can't get over that. Like, and and I can totally see it though. Like he's six seven and probably weighs like a buck forty. He is the oh, rail. He's, he is a rail. I, I mean, I he was he he got here, um, right before the American Conference Championship game. So he was it, on the field. It's, it's, it's like a uh, Kevin Durant combine. Like can't even bench the bar. Yeah, I mean, thing. he is skinny. He is skinny. To to hear him called a rake though. Oh my god! Yeah, just just go to Ace Hardware, and he's in he's in there. I I could have done that for another hour. Oh, there's so many things I could have asked about. We'll, but we'll save it for round two, whenever round two is. Yeah, hopefully, you know, maybe next off season. I doubt he's gonna have you know a ton of time to do it. Yeah, you know, no, he's gonna season. be busy. He's gonna be busy for a while. But, uh, but yeah, just great, great stuff. I don't really think. I mean, if you want to keep going, we can. We can. Think, I mean, think people are gonna like go back to us talking about four man fronts. <laughs> like, let's be honest. It's, it's a good point. It's it's a good January twenty first. Who gives a shit about four man versus three man fronts right now? <laughs> We're gonna have plenty of time to get to it's, all that, especially since the basketball team's never playing again. That is very true. That is. <laughs> Very true. They ain't playing before our next podcast. I don't think they are either. So we can talk about it then. We'll have a running back coach. Well, you know, the, the senior bowl will be over. We can talk about James and Hudson in the senior bowl. And they're not senior bowl. The Yeah, the, the Reese's, whatever. Yeah. yeah, the senior bowl. Yeah. The senior so, bowl. but uh, yeah. All right. You're right. Like that was... We're right at an hour, and, and that was like 45 minutes of it, and it's probably the best 45 minutes we've done in ever. <laughs> yeah. 
easily the the best 45 not hashtag Dave after dark show that we've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And and he does have a future in this business. Oh, like, absolutely. He's got a feel for it. He's funny. He's he knows the right buttons to push. He knows the right stories to tell. Um, yeah, that was that was gold. And I I couldn't thank him enough for coming on. And if you're a former player and you want to come on, you might want to rethink it because you got you got big shoes to fill now. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll take all, all the former players. I mean, there's not a lot of networks out there that have the access that we do. I know. To get I'm just saying. I know, but you, yeah, you, you better not come with like four word answers to, yeah. to you know, to questions. So. <laughs> the bar has been raised. All right. Wow. That was great. Six cheese conies. Six cheese conies and 10 trips to, Graders in 21 days. Like, this, that's my diet. I eat like a putter. This is, I have the same diet as a future NFL player. I can tell people that now. Like, oh. I've been doing it right this whole time. <laughs> you just don't have a leg, a 50 yard leg. Oh my God. No, I mean, no, not, no, <laughs> nothing like that. All right. As always, special thanks to the Holy Grail. Uh, I'd invite you to a watch party, but it's probably going to be like September before that happens Maybe again. We get the spring game televised. We're working on that, actually. That's that's televised or radio or we're working on something. There's there's some stuff maybe in the works on that. We'll see. But uh, wow, that was great. So visit our friends at the Holy Grail. Uh, get yourself some Reuben wontons, get a pizza, get a burger, some wings. And then walk over and, uh, to the and get some graders. Yeah. get some graders graders call us i'll, 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 give, I'll give bob a call that's great all right that yeah we can't we, there's nothing else we can do that's going to top that so i hope everybody enjoyed uh i'm guessing this one's going to get a lot of talk on the message board because that was really insightful we learned a lot learned uh quite a bit about a little bit more about i mean a lot of that stuff is known you know the cherry farm and uh, I, I figured he wouldn't be able to eat cherries here. So that was that was good to hear. But that's crazy, though. He hasn't had a cherry yeah, in like four I, years. I should have said, I mean, I'll get you some from Michigan. They're, they're pretty darn good up there. So, But you're talking about a guy that... that oh, I know. A, they produce like tons and tons yeah. of cherries. So, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. <laughs> Dave, much appreciated. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. And... Uh, Maybe we'll see it. That might be it. This might be the last one. That might might be the the grand finale. <laughs> we'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>